Good morning, church. If you guys want to stand to your feet, let's worship together. Come on, here we go. Clap those hands, church.
Come on, let's continue to worship him today. He is great and greatly to be praised, amen.
Good morning, church family. It is so good to see you today. My name is Jason. I'm one of the associate pastors here. If you're a guest with us today, there is a connect card in the seat back of the chair in front of you. We ask that you grab that, fill that out and drop it in the offering in a few moments. It kind of going to give us an opportunity to connect with you later, get to know you and uh, tell you how you can learn more about the assembly. Well, you look great today. I'm so happy that you've chosen to be here. When you came in, you received a worship bulletin, and I ask that you just take a look at the few things that are going on in there. Tomorrow night, there is our women's prayer meeting. And so, ladies, our prayer night is tomorrow night. Come out, pray for each other, pray for your families, and uh, lift up our church and our leadership. It's a great evening, a great way to connect. I encourage you tomorrow night, ladies, come out. It's at 6.30 right here at the uh, uh, 130, 132, I believe. It's going to be a great evening. Also want to let you know that this Wednesday, our kids' ministry is getting together for... I believe the final swim of the summer. Let's Swim is taking place over at Forge Ridge. It's not a drop-off event, but it's the time for you to come out, hang out with your kids, and meet some other families. Always a good time. Don't miss Let's Swim. And then on Wednesday night, we've got a brand new series of electives that are kicking off. Great places for you to live and grow in your faith and walk with God. I encourage you to find one of those. Get plugged in on Wednesday night. You won't regret it. As our ushers are coming, I want to just share with you briefly about our missions teams that are out doing great work. We've got a team in Washington, D.C. right now. Uh, Pastor Barry is with them. How many of you know Washington, D.C. needs Jesus? Amen. That's all I'm saying. That's all I got. Just Washington needs, everybody needs Jesus. Washington really needs Jesus. That's good. And then we've got a team, not in Maui, but Malawi, Africa. We had a great response. Many of you have emailed us asking about the Maui trip pastor mentioned last week. It's still on the board. We're thinking about it, but uh, the team in Malawi is doing a great work. Pastor Ron and Kelly are there with Pastor Justin, and so today uh, we get our young adult pastor, Pastor Joel Thompson. Yes. My brother, who is equally follically challenged. I'm so excited to hear from him this morning. It's going to be great. You're going to love that. He did a great job in the first service. Open up your hearts and receive today what God has for you as we continue the series in Mark. 
Let's go to the Lord in prayer for our offering this morning. Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord, and we're so grateful for this opportunity to be here in your house. We're not here by accident. You have ordained this moment. I am here for a purpose, Lord, and I'm going to submit myself to you. I open my heart to receive what you have for us today. Lord, I pray you'll bless this offering today, gift and giver alike, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you as you give. Good morning. Thanks so much, Jason, for that introduction. Um, you, you did not um, compliment the, the first service. He, he said, you guys look good this morning. Well, some of you. And so I, I came up and I corrected him and I said, hey, Jason, you know, everybody here looks good. So I guess that follicularly challenge or uh, follicle challenge or whatever he said was kind of a payback and a roast on me. So but it's good to be here. Like you said, my name is Joel Thompson. I'm the young adult pastor here at the assembly. And I am so blessed to get to pastor a great church or young adult pastor a great church and uh, just some of the most incredible 18 to 30 year olds on the planet. Um, we meet here every Thursday night. Maybe uh, you're new here and you, you don't know about what we have to offer, but the young adults are here on Thursday nights at eight o'clock. And uh, we're just excited to be a part of what God is doing and to see how he moves in the lives of young adults here in Tulsa. And uh, speaking of God moving, how many of you were here for service last week? A lot of people here, God was moving, amen? Maybe, okay. <laughs> First service was like, yeah, like they got into it. So anyway, but if you weren't here, you definitely have to go back and listen to the podcast or watch the video online. Uh, Pastor Ron had just an incredible message um, it was a timely message, a challenging message, a comforting message, and um, God was definitely here and moving in our services. And so today, we just want to pick up where we left off and not miss a beat and continue looking at this series from the book of Mark. And I believe that even though it's a different speaker, God still wants to do something here today. Amen? Amen. Well, look with me at Mark chapter 3, and we'll look at the first Five verses, and for those of you who, who brought a, a Bible today, I know it takes a little bit to get there. We'll have it up on the screen, but while you're finding that, um, I have to admit to you guys this morning that for breakfast, I had a Dove chocolate. That was my breakfast, the breakfast of champions. Um, Stephanie Simon had uh, said this week, you know, is there anything that you want in your green room? And I thought, I'm not like some dignified special guest speaker. I mean, it's, I'm just the young adult pastor, but sure. I mean, if you're asking, uh, just all blue M&Ms. I'm uh, just kidding. I'm just kidding. But I did say, 
I mean, I do like dark chocolate. And so she's like, we can do that. We have dark chocolate. I'm like, okay. And it's dark chocolate, so it's healthy, right? I mean, there's the antioxidants and all that. But inside the wrapper, just so you know this morning what it said, there's always that little message. And here's what it said. Save the best for first. So first service, I told them that and they loved it. They were like, yeah, they all clapped and got into it. Um, so I felt bad for you guys. So between services, I ate another one. <laughs> and uh, here's what it said, sleep in tomorrow. <laughs> I don't know which one's better, but I mean, let that bless you. I know I'm gonna let it bless me. That's spiritual. I mean, sleep in tomorrow. Mark chapter three in verse one, here's what it says. Again, Jesus went into a synagogue and a man was there whose hand was withered. The Pharisees were watching Jesus closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. He said to the man whose hand was withered, get up and come forward. He asked them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to kill? But they kept silent. After looking around at them with anger, grieved at the hardness and arrogance of their hearts, he told the man, hold out your hand. And so he held it out and his hand was completely restored. And this is such a powerful story from the book of Mark and we could look at it from a lot of different angles and we could take away a lot of different lessons that would all be valuable to our lives. But here's what I want us to do today. I want us to focus in on what I consider to be the two main characters in the story and really kind of apply this to our lives. And since we only want Jesus to play the part of Jesus, we're gonna kind of take on the, the role of the man with the withered hand. We're gonna put ourselves into his shoes and see what God has for us today as we can try to relate to his situation. So let's pray as we get into this message and see what God wants to speak to us. God, we just thank you so much for this day. Thank you that you created all things and you created all things beautiful. God, I pray that you will be with our teams that are in Malawi and Washington, D.C., that you would just give them favor and blessing and effectiveness as they go and minister to every person, every village or every community that they go into. God, I just pray that you will help them to be used for your kingdom. God, I pray that for this service today that you would just speak to us. Let us be receptive to your word and just speak to us as individuals, that even though one message is preached, many are reached through your Holy Spirit directly with what you want to say. We don't want to miss that today. And God, for me personally, I just take it as an honor. I'm humbled at the opportunity to be able to speak your word in your house, God, to be a vessel that you would speak through today. And that's my prayer, that you would just use me to say what you want to say. And God, we pray it in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, a couple of weeks ago, um, I got to go and be a part of the team that went to Belize, and we had an awesome trip, uh, just lots of opportunity to go and, and minister to the people that were there. And one thing you have to know about Belize is that the humidity there is crazy. I mean, Oklahoma, it, it definitely uh, rivals it, but in Belize, it's, it's pretty typical to have 90 to 100% humidity at all times. So you'll walk outside and pretty much immediately you start sweating. 
and it really makes you thankful for an air conditioner that works, right? I mean, we're thankful for that today. We would go to even the church there, and it was like, well, they have AC, and they would have window units kind of all along every single window, but that didn't mean that every AC unit was working, and so praise God for an air conditioner that works. But here's a little interesting fact for you guys today, and it will give you some insight into what I'm saying about just the temperature and the humidity there. The national motto of Belize is, the, the youth and young adults might know this that were on the trip, the, the national motto of Belize is Sub Umbra Floreo. Sub Umbra Floreo. It's printed on their flag. You can see it there at the bottom, those little tiny words, um, if, if you can see that. Um, Sub Umbra Floreo, it's all over different souvenirs that they offer as you go into the little shops. But here's what that motto means. It means, under the shade, I will flourish. What a national motto. Like, it's hot in Belize. Under the shade, I will flourish. And those people know what they're talking about. They knew that if you go out and that sun's beating down on you, you're not going to make it very long. You throw in the humidity, and man, you're going to want to get in that shade quick. So under the shade, I will flourish. It's hot. And so... One of the days we were there and we got finished with uh, what we were doing a little bit early. We had a little bit of time to where we actually got to go swimming. And let me tell you, you better believe that all of us took advantage of every minute we had to be in that pool. We played Marco Polo. We played sharks and minnows. People were climbing on the rock feature on the edge of the pool, seeing if they could get up and like dive in. People, I mean, it was crazy. People were doing like flips, belly busters, you name it. Just like, let's stay in the pool all day. Uh, people were doing backflips off of each other's shoulders. I was not a part of that. I was not doing the backflips. At one point, we had Brady Leffingwell and three people stacked up on his shoulders, just trying to see like a human totem pole, how tall we could get it up. But we had, and we were gonna try to to do five, and then somebody was like, that's probably not safe. So we're like, yeah, you're right. But ultimately, it didn't matter what we were doing. We just wanted to cool off and be in the pool because it was so hot. After a while of playing games, a few of us looked down at our hands and we were like, man, like our hands are so wrinkled right now. I mean, it was from the humidity. It was from being in the pool for so long. And it wasn't just like you've been in the bathtub a little too long where your fingertips are wrinkled. This was like fingertips, your palms, your entire hand front and back was wrinkled. I had never actually seen my hand look that way. And, and even some of the young guys, it was like they were aged, like really aged. But anyway, um, so here's how this relates to the passage from Mark chapter 3. I would say that most of us probably cannot identify with what it's like to have a hand that's permanently withered. But if we can put ourselves into this story, how can we, how can we relate to the man with a withered hand? I would say that there are probably some of us that can relate to what it's, what it's like to have withered hands spiritually. And maybe some of us can understand what I mean when I say it's like you've just been treading water for so long that spiritually you've just barely been able to keep your head above water. And like Pastor Ron mentioned last week, the riptide. And that riptide is like this constant current that just everything seems like it, it continues to come up against you. That riptide is like this repetition of one difficult challenge and one damaging attack after the next. And for some people, you've been battling for so long that 
Now you've not only become weary, but you've become withered. One definition of withered is actually to cease to flourish or to fall into decay or decline. So maybe you feel like your life can be defined this way, that you've been ceasing to flourish and that riptide has been against you for so long now that all you seem to be experiencing is like this spiritual erosion. And the longer you continue to tread water, the more you just seem to decline. So what do we do when we find ourselves with withered hands? I think the best place to start today and, and really any time that we're searching for the answer to a, a situation or a problem in our life, I think the best place to start is by looking at what Jesus had to say but for today, specifically what he had to say to the man in Mark chapter three, and I believe it's what he would say for each of us that are here. So the first thing we see that Jesus said from this is, get up and come forward. Get up and come forward. Jesus was using this, this man's healing as a way to sort of call out the Pharisees. They were only there to be critical. They were only there to look for drama. That's like, do not come to church to be like a Pharisee and just to look around and observe and see, like, what can I find that's wrong with, with what's going on here? That's not what we're here for. But for the man, he was calling him out in a completely different way. He was calling him out, and he was saying, get up and come forward. When we put ourselves into the story, it teaches us that sometimes before he changes our situation, first Jesus will change our position. Sometimes before he changes our situation, first he will change our position and he will call us out from where we are. So that five-year battle, that 10-year battle, 15, whatever it is, the length of time, that ongoing battle with an illness, the ongoing struggle with an addiction that you haven't been able to quit, that sin that you just can't seem to get free from, that continual frustrations in your marriage, he knows, he knows what you're facing and he knows how long you've been facing it and he can see the withering over time effects that these things have had on you. Maybe you've just been hanging in there, but the pressures of life and the enemy's attacks, they've been hard for you to withstand. Jesus is calling us out from that and he says, get up and come forward. You don't have to stay living in defeat. You don't have to continue in that unhealthy cycle. You don't have to stay withered. Because of what Jesus has done on the cross, we can live in the freedom that he's already provided and from the promise that he will give us victory over our enemy. You don't have to stay living in defeat. Jesus is calling us out because he knows you can't just stay where you are any longer. It's too much. One, if, if we do that, if we, if we just continue to stay victimized by the, by the enemy's attacks, there's gonna be a lot of different things that happen. One of those is that it's just gonna be we're in an unhealthy place. And when you're sick, do you just wanna stay sick and lay in bed and just, ugh? No, you wanna, I wanna get up, I wanna be healthy again. But if we continue just to stay where we are, we're just gonna allow ourselves to continue to be victimized by our enemy. Second thing is we'll miss out on the blessing of what Jesus paid so high of a price for us to be able to have. He paid so high of a price that we can't just ignore it. We can't just stay where we are. He said, I, I came for you. I had my arms outstretched for you. And we can't ignore that. We have to respond and, that, and see what Jesus has for us. Another thing is if we're just trying to survive and keep our heads above water, we're never gonna be able to advance and move forward and truly live in the victory that God has for us. Another way to think about this is 
Let's go to a different analogy of, of ground. Now the enemy is, is attacking where you are. And so you're in this position and there's this, this, this force and there's this pressure and it's pushing you down and you're just trying to stay up and you're, and you're just holding yourself, trying to stay just like unshaken or immovable. The problem with that, and that's great, that's admirable. The Bible says that we should stand against the attacks of the enemy. So that's, that's something that we need to be doing. But there comes a time where it's like, if all you're doing is holding your ground, you can't advance. You can't move forward in God whenever all you're doing is just, uh, gosh, I, it's just so unstable. There's attacks from every direction. So just take ground in God. We can't just stay where we are any longer. And I believe, I'm stirred up and passionate today that God is wanting to shift our minds to a new strategy to where we're no longer just treading water and over time just becoming more and more withered. But I believe that he's shifting us to a new strategy where we actually win the battle, where we actually grow and we live in victory over our enemy. And maybe today, Jesus is saying to you, get up and come forward. Get up and come forward. It's time to change your position. It's time to advance. Maybe he's wanting you to take an action step out from where you are and out of that position of defeat. Last week, Pastor Ron said it like this, we are not casualties, we are conquerors. And let me just add to that and say that we are no longer just one more of the devil's victims, but we are defined by what Christ has done on the cross and we are victorious through him. Get up and come forward. The second thing we see that Jesus told the man was hold out your hand. Hold out your hand and when you first hear this, it seems like such a simple request. And, and I think in some ways, that's the way that Jesus wanted it to be. Get up and come forward. I know what you're saying. I can respond to that. That's, that's easy for me to do. My part in response is the easy part. God, he has the part of changing us. All we have to do is respond to what he says. So then hold out your hand. Uh, that, that seems so easy. Is that all that it's going to take for me to, to receive from you, God? And I think he does make it easy. But I also think when we consider what was really happening in the story, it may not be as easy as we think because what if the hand that you had to hold out was the one that was withered? For this man in this story, his hand was the part of his life that was messed up. His hand was the part of his life that he had tried to keep hidden. His hand was the part of his life that he didn't want anybody else to see, and by holding out his hand, it made him vulnerable. It gave him a label, and people were able to see and notice that. So if you put yourself into this story, what if Jesus called you out? What if he said, get up, come forward, hold out your hand? Would you be willing to be vulnerable enough that you would allow the withered areas of your life to be exposed? Because some of our problems we're honest, they're really easy to hide. Some of our problems, nobody even knows they exist. But God didn't bring us here to show off the parts of our lives that are working. He brought us here so we could heal the parts of our lives that aren't. Amen? That's why we're in church. It's a hospital for the sick. It's not just a place for the healthy. He wanted to heal the parts of our lives that are not working today. It took faith for the man to get up and come forward. It took faith for the man to hold out his withered hand. And the same goes for us. It's gonna take us having faith in someone who is greater and able than our, he's, he's more than able to take care of our situation. It's gonna take us having a, a hope 
even in the darkest or most challenging of circumstances. One of the days while we were in Belize, we were out in the market area doing some street evangelism and we stopped to talk to this lady and invite her to church. And so I asked her if she lived close to where we were. I didn't wanna you know, invite her to this local church if she lived you know, real far off or whatever. And so I said, are you, are you from this area? And she told me that she was actually from a town nearby called Esperanza. So I asked her, you know, is there anything that you would like us to pray with you about? And she was immediately overtaken with emotions. She told us that she had a lot of needs. And she, she kind of laughed when I asked her, is there anything we can pray with you about? And it was kind of like a, <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. And she, like I said, she just got very emotional. And so she began to tell us that even though she was from a nearby town, she was actually currently homeless. Her husband had been murdered by their nephew and he had done it right in front of her. He tried to come after her next, but somehow by the grace of God, she was able to get away with only a few knife cuts to her neck. And adding insult to injury in some twisted turn of events, that same nephew ended up moving into her house and kicking her out. And I don't understand, I'm thinking, how, how in the world is this allowed? How, how is he not behind bars? How is he not in prison? How was he able to get in and even push her out of her own home? It makes no sense. So she had no husband. She had no place to live. Very few possessions, and of the few things she did have, she was out on the street trying to sell some of them so she would have food for that evening. So we all stood there, the group that was there with us, somewhat in shock by her story, but we were also moved by her situation. We were moved with compassion. So I told the lady, I said, we will definitely pray for the things that you've just mentioned, but as you've been talking, I feel like the Holy Spirit is revealing something to me and it's something that I wanna pray, something more specific for you and, and, and kind of almost speak into your life as an encouragement if you would allow me to do that. And so I reminded her that she had told us the name of the town where she was from and that in English, Esperanza means to hope. Esperanza means to hope. And in that moment, I felt like the Holy Spirit revealed to me that even though she was from a town that meant to hope, where she was in pretty much every area of her life, she was feeling completely hopeless. And while we're standing there, I, I didn't mention it to the group, but Hebrews 11 came to my mind where it says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. And I started to think, man, this, this lady is in a really dire situation because if your life gets flipped upside down, your husband is murdered right before your eyes, you're kicked out of your own home, you're out on the streets and you barely have enough money to survive, I would say that your hope is withered and destroyed. And if we apply that to this verse, I would say that it's likely then that our faith is going to be withered as well because faith is the substance of things hoped for. So if we have no hope, it's only likely that our faith is going to struggle and suffer as well, ceasing to flourish and falling into decay or decline. And so we prayed for this lady. We prayed for her needs. We prayed for her situation. And we prayed that she would not just be from a town that means hope, but that she would start to live in the hope that he offers when we put our faith 
and our trust in him. And I'm telling you, it was just when, when we started to pray, the Holy Spirit was there. He was moving. Everybody around us started to call out on the name of the Lord on this lady's behalf. And people left that circle and they said, man, it was so like perfect. And, and I did not prepare to say any of those things to her. I didn't, I didn't like wake up and read a devotion about hope that morning. It was all the Holy Spirit giving me the words to say. The town she was from was Esperanza. I don't speak that great of Spanish, but like the Holy Spirit brought that to my mind to piece it all together. And people left that circle and they were like, man, I got chills just because I knew that what we were doing was, was effective and it was really ministering to where that lady was. When Jesus said, hold out your hand, it was an appeal to faith. And it was a key element to the miracle that the man in Mark chapter three had to have for experiencing his healing. Without faith to stretch his hand out over the sea, Moses would have never seen the waters part and the dry ground revealed. Without faith to march around Jericho, Joshua would have never seen the walls fall. Without faith to call upon the name of the Lord, Elijah would have never been able to call down fire from heaven. Without faith to obey Jesus and to get out of the boat, Peter would have never walked on water. And same for us, without faith that there is someone who is greater than our situation, who is able to take care of where we are, will never respond to what he's calling us to do without faith. We have to believe that he's able if, if I told you that I have this for you, I, I have this, this surplus of money and I have $5 million right up here. And I said, if you will come to me, I will give it to you. Most of you probably don't know me, but I don't think many of you would believe me, right? I mean, you'd be like, you're a pastor at a church. I don't believe you at all. Like, you probably don't have that type of funds. But if I told you that, your faith in what I was saying, I would say you should probably doubt that. But when Jesus says that he's going to be able to do something in my life, we can put our faith in that. We can be confident that he will restore where we are. Our faith is an important part of moving us out from where we are, giving us the hope we need to press on and helping us respond when Jesus calls us. And let me put this thought in your mind that one day it's possible that you would look back and you would realize that the one small step of obedience to his call today, it was actually one of the biggest steps towards restoration in your entire life. It could be today that as you hear his call, as you respond to what he has for you, it could be one of the biggest acts of obedience and steps towards restoration in your life. Hold out your hand. I was talking to my four-year-old a few weeks ago. I talk to him every day, but specifically for this story, I was talking to him a few weeks ago and his name is Kellen and he's just an incredible little guy. Uh, just loves God and just is sweet and funny and um, I, sometimes I've, I've posed the question, like if you could hang out with anybody for a day or if you have a friend that makes you laugh like all the time, who would it be? Like that person in your life that brings joy and they make you laugh all the time. You know, some people would be like, oh, somebody like Jimmy Fallon or, you know, a personality like that. But, but my son, Kellen, he just brings so much joy and, and the things that he says, I mean, the, kids say the darndest things, right? I mean, that's so true. He's, he's hilarious. 
But I was talking to him and this was actually the Saturday night after we had finished up with our big 50K days fundraiser. And so I was laying on the floor, <laughs> exhausted in the living room and Kellen comes up and he says, what's wrong, daddy? Are you sick? And so I told him, you know, hey buddy, I'm just feeling really tired and my body is kind of sore. And I've been told that that happens more and more as I get older and I think that's true. Um, but I was just tired, I was sore. And without being told, Kellen comes over and he just starts praying for me and he starts to pray that I would feel better. And I have a lot of proud dad moments. I mean, I could talk about my wife and my kids all day, every day, because I'm just so proud. But when my son prays for me, there's not much better than that. That's a, that's a pretty proud dad moment for sure. But after he had finished praying, I was just kind of appreciating the purity and the simplicity of his prayer and the simplicity of his faith. And I said, thanks, buddy. Do you believe that Jesus can heal me? Do you really believe that? And I just wanted to see what he would say because it's just, it's funny whenever you ask kids questions like that. And this was his response. Yes, daddy, Jesus is a good healer. Man, that is a message. I don't know who needs to hear that today, but I believe it's for somebody. Jesus is a good healer. I know that's simple. It's from the words of a four-year-old, but man, Jesus is a good healer. It reminds me of what it says in Isaiah chapter 53, verse four. It says, surely he took our grief, our sickness, weakness, and distress, and he carried our sorrows and pains. He did all of that, every single bit of that, our grief, our sickness, our weakness and distress, he carried it all, our sorrows and our pains. Jesus is a good healer. Going on in verse five, it says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. The chastisement needed for our peace and well-being was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed and made whole. Jesus is a good healer. You know, when we think of what Christ did on the cross, man, we're so appreciative that he was able to bring us this potential for eternal life. And that is the most important thing that we would have a relationship with him and an eternity waiting for us in heaven. Nothing more important than that. But do you realize the price he paid and the benefits that he brings? I mean, just go over these verses. Are you sick? Are you weak? Are you distressed? Do you have sorrow? Do you have pain? Paid for. It's already been taken care of. You already have the victory. You don't have to continue to live in defeat. Do you have transgressions? Do you have guilt and sin and iniquity? Are you needing peace? Are you needing well-being? Are you needing healing? Are you needing to be made whole? Like the man in Mark chapter three, it says that he was completely restored. His hand was completely restored. One version actually says that his hand was made just as well as the other. Jesus is a good healer. For this man, even though it was just a hand, think about what that represented. This is the hand that he would probably work with. In the Bible, That the right hand is kind of a, a, a symbol or signifies that this is what you do work with. This is how you provide. And, and so if you, can't, if you don't have a healthy right hand, think about how that would trickle into the other areas of your life. You don't work. You probably don't have 
the greatest of provision in, in the other areas of your life. You probably suffer in other areas, but Jesus made it as whole as the other hand because he's a good healer. In March of 2012, I was a youth pastor in Oklahoma City. I had been there at this church for about a year and, and I was trying to show off for our youth group a little bit. Um, we were at an event called Fine Arts and um, where the kids get to go and kind of use their giftings and um, their abilities and perform and kind of get judged on, on what they do and, and encouraged on what they do. And uh, so we had some time, we went to lunch and afterwards there was a basketball court uh, near the restaurant. And so I had on Tom's shoes. I don't know if you guys like can picture Tom's shoes, but they're not made for basketball. There's like no ankle support. The bottoms are super slippery. I mean, not made for basketball. So we're out there. And again, I'm trying to look all cool. I'm trying to show off for the guys. And so I like try to put a move on. I'm lucky I didn't break my ankle just now. Um, but anyway, I broke my leg just above my ankle. I mean, I, I, I knew immediately, I, I didn't hear it crack necessarily, but I just knew by the way it felt, I was like, I've never broken a bone in my life but today's the day. And my face turned white and green and I about passed out because I don't respond well to pain that way. And so um, we ended up going to the hospital, broken leg and put a walking boot on and um, you know, went through the whole process of, of letting my leg heal as, as time would allow and, and just staying off my, my feet and all that kind of stuff. Here's the thing, even after the walking boot, I felt like this isn't completely right. Like when I walk, I would kind of like just barely limp and I would, and I would just feel like, oh man, every step it hurt. And I thought, this isn't right. And you know, the doctor says, yeah, you know, it seems to be healed. Everything seems to be all right but I couldn't run on my leg. I, you know, I, I couldn't, I was a youth pastor. I needed to be like out there and active with, with our group. And I, I just, I couldn't run. Something was not right. And I just kind of, well, I broke my leg and this is probably what happens. You just kind of have to deal with it. That pain is probably gonna be something that I struggle with for the rest of my life. So that summer, I'm telling you a lot of stories about Belize today. But that summer, I actually came on staff at the assembly, and one of the first trips I went on in 2012 was to Belize. And we're there, and we're ministering to the people, and we had a church service one evening. We had prayed for people on the altars. And at the end of the church service, we're all kind of just, we don't feel like it's supposed to be over. You know, we're kind of like, what do we do now? Like, we've already prayed for the people. So we just thought, well, why don't we just begin to seek God ourselves and just call out to him for our group and continue to strengthen us as we're here. And, but there was just like this drawing to him and this desire for more of him and his presence. And so I got down on my knees and I'm down on my knees for a while and we're just seeking God and I'm like this. And I'm just like, God, I, I need you. God, I want you. God, I'm hungry for more of you. God, I have to have you in my life. God, I, I just am so looking and longing for more of you. And as I'm sitting there, I feel like I must have been down on my knees too long because my legs are getting numb or something because something doesn't feel normal. This is not something I've, I've, I've really felt in a long time. And, 
or really ever, but, but it was more specifically in, in one leg. It was just in my right leg. And I thought, man, it feels like it's like numb or something. But then it started to be like, there was like this temperature change in my leg. And I don't know if any of you have ever experienced something like this or experienced healing, but it started to feel like there was a heat in, in this area of my leg where it had been broken. And I thought, God, you're healing my body right now. And to be honest with you, I had been healed by God before, but not in like a broken bone or anything like that. I had never experienced that. I had never broken a bone before I'd broken my leg. So I, I, I knew and I got up and I was like kind of hesitant because we doubt and we're thinking like, is this, is it numb? Like I've been like sitting on it too long or whatever, but I get up and I start to walk around and kind of test it out. And I'm like, there's no question. My leg has just been healed. Like, God, thank you so much. I wanted to go outside and run, but we were in Belize. I didn't want to like get lost or whatever. But man, it was just like, praise God. He has healed my leg. And here's the thing. I was just going to deal with it. I was just going to deal with the pain and let it be something that lingered on and let it be something that, uh, you know, this is just a problem, but I can still walk and I'll be okay. But Jesus is a good healer and he completely restores. He completely makes whole. He makes things completely well. That's the type of Jesus that we have. That's the type of healer that he is. He's incredible. So if there's an area of your life that it's not completely right, uh, yeah, it's better than it was before. Praise God for that. I, I gotta at least count my blessings, right? There's nothing wrong with that. Do that, count your blessings. But as you count those blessings, continue to seek him for, God, what do you have next? What's that next step? What are you calling me out from this place? You called me out from here and now I'm here, but now call me out from here so I can get there. I wanna move forward and advance in my relationship with you and my walk with you. So what is God calling you out from? If we keep reading in Mark chapter three and verse 10, it says that Jesus had healed so many people that everyone who was sick pushed forward that they could touch him. One version of this verse says that they literally were like almost throwing themselves on him just so they could touch him and be healed. Jesus had healed so many people. He's a good healer. But here's the question. Are you so desperate for him? Are you so in need of him to intervene in your life that it's, you're willing to come forward. You're willing to get up from where you are and you're willing to hold out the withered hand of your situation and say, God, I don't care who sees it. I don't care what it looks like to other people around me. I'm not here for the Pharisees who only came to watch and be critical. God, I'm only here to meet with you. I, I'm here to see what you have for me today. Some of you, you've been treading water for far too long now spiritually. And God wants you to come to a place where you no longer just have to endure the battle to where you no longer just have to walk through life withered, but to where you have this new strategy and this new mindset that you walk in faith and confidence and victory, where you have renewed hope and peace and joy, one where you experience healing and forgiveness and freedom. You don't have to stay where you are. Jesus is a good healer. So here's how I hope we can respond today. I'm gonna to go ahead and ask that everyone would just go ahead and stand with me. And here in a moment, the team is going to lead us in a song. 
But as they sing, you're welcome to sing along because I believe that the lyrics will be applicable to this response and it will, it'll, it'll resonate with what we're wanting to happen here today. But I also want you to take time to evaluate where you are. Let God get into every area of your life and ask this question, is there any area that might be represented by this story of the man with withered hand? We might not be able to relate to what it's like physically to have a hand that's withered, but maybe you're in a situation spiritually and you're like, man, it's just been ceasing to flourish and decay and decline. And, and I've just been treading water and I'm exhausted. Man, I'm sick of the battle. I don't know about you, but I'm sick of the battle. I'm sick of the enemy's attacks. I want victory. I don't want to. I don't want to have like this relationship with with God, where it's only like, God, I trust you. I, I hope eventually I'm going to get out of this. I want to get out of that and be able to look back and say, I'm done with that. Now, what do you have for me, God? Let's go. Let's go. Let's move. Let's go take ground for your kingdom. I want better. I want freedom from that. So, what area of your life? Is that for you? And if that's you, I pray that you'll respond, that you'll get up and come forward. And as they sing, that you'll just stretch out your hand in faith and believe, God, touch me. I believe that you're gonna completely restore this situation. The battles, it's gonna be over. I'm gonna win. We're not gonna continue to stay treading water. We're not gonna continue to stay withered. We're going to win today as he works in your situation. Amen, would you come as we sing? Would you come? If that's you, come today.
just wanna challenge you, if you're still out in your seat, maybe you feel like you're in a really good place, I just wanna encourage you. If there's somebody that you know that's not here today, maybe there's a family member, maybe there's a friend, and you know that they've been going through a situation, they've been battling something, and your heart breaks for them. You've seen what they've had to endure. You're, you're tired of it for them. And you're like, man, I want victory for that person. I, I just encourage you, if you would step out in faith on their behalf, because sometimes a miracle happens because somebody stood in the gap for somebody else. Some, not every miracle happens because I have faith. Sometimes a miracle will happen because somebody else had the faith to pray for me. So maybe you're here today and you're like, I have somebody and I wanna stand in on their behalf. I want the miracle for their life. I want to see change and position change in their life. If that's you, I just encourage you to do that. My other thing is this. I hope that I'm not trying to call you a Pharisee by any means. Please don't misinterpret what I'm trying to say. But right now, I just stretch out a hand for these people. Where they are, they're, they're battling something. So stretch out a hand. You don't have to come forward necessarily, but if you feel comfortable, we're gonna sing this chorus again, and we're just gonna lift up our voices and cry out for these people on their behalf, for their situation, because we wanna see victory. We wanna be a church that moves forward and not just continually just drags through the battle and, and has to endure this, this problem life. We wanna be a church that moves and confidence and victory in what God has for us. So we can say, what's next, God? Who do you want me to reach next? What place do you want me to go next? I'm going to move in victory. So as we sing, lift out a hand, pray for these people. And if you have somebody you just want to pray for, stand in the gap on their behalf, I challenge you to come today and let's just seek God for what he has.
Praise God today for what he's doing in people's lives. Jesus, we praise you. Jesus, we praise you that you are a good healer. God, we thank you that like we just sing about, that you are the beginning and the end. And so we pray for a new beginning, one where we no longer have to just endure the battle and tread water and just wait till the next thing comes. But God, we wanna move in victory and we pray that you would have that new start in our lives, God, that we would experience that and that we would be able to say, what's next, God? I've responded to you. God, I believe that you have completely restored my life. I believe that you have completely restored this area of my life. I'm no longer gonna have have to just just tell the devil no not today but God we're going to move forward in victory and we're going to see what you have for us individually and as a church what's next in your book and the story that you have for us and Jesus we pray it in your name amen amen do you love Jesus today man he's so faithful He's so faithful. I just want to encourage you guys, walk in that victory, walk in confidence, walk with hope that produces faith and see what God has for you next. And I believe it's going to be good because he's a good God. He's a good healer. That's the nature and the character of who he is. He has great things in store for your life. Believe that and walk in that. In Jesus name, you're dismissed. Love you guys.